Dr. Brother Chris McCluskey is going to come up and read that for us. Okay, so we'll be reading from uh, the first chapter of 1 Corinthians this morning, starting in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, it will, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews requested a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many mobile, noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him. You are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I've just moved this uh, where I can see you guys. In fact, I'm going to get serious this morning. Off goes the jacket. And uh, what a delight to be back. Uh, if I'm blocking the picture, let me know. I don't block much because I'm a little fella, but... Uh, Sometimes. Am I okay here? I hope you guys are the best people on the left. I feel distant. Are you okay? I won't neglect you. There's my friend Derek Eldon. You know, as a faithful brother in current Eleuthera, where I ministered many times. Little Island, wonderful assembly, and it's glad, good to see Derek Eldon here this morning. And we're praying for his sister, Angela. And, uh, Wow. It's just good to be back at Boulevard, Bible Chapel. You're wondering where Jane is. I, I, I did have a wife, you know. I still have a wife, I should say, not past tense. Um, Jane actually got bronchitis and had a little cold, but she is expecting to be here tonight, and uh, hopefully next week too. Uh, Jane went through a rough time. I should tell you, since she's not here, um, in, in the fall... She lost her only brother and sister-in-law, just early 60s, closest members of her family, great guy, uh, in, a, in a motorcycle accident. They were killed instantly. While we were over there in Newfoundland for the funeral, we heard that Jane's special needs daughter that she devoted her life to, 45 years old, was taken to hospital, and uh, unbeknownst to us, there was an untreatable form of cancer in her body, Within three weeks, she too was with the Lord. So Jane lost her daughter and her brother and her sister-in-law all in a month. And she's still, uh, I mean, she's still grieving. But man, has the Lord been faithful. But we do mention these things because part of what I'm going to do next week is to talk about how faithful God is uh, even in, in troubles. And we've certainly felt the Lord's presence 
as he's responded to many people's prayers. And I, I tell him, it's sure great to be back with you because actually Jane thinks of this as her home Florida assembly because this is where she was baptized a couple of years ago now. She still talks about that big, strong, muscular brother who marched her into the ocean. <laughs> and it was a great moment. Now, i got to get moving here. I'm going to talk this four talks on the God we can trust. And, and the real objective of this, I have a purpose in mind, that you really get to fully trust God. And we're going to talk this morning about His wisdom. We're going to talk tonight about His power. God's, and we had it already this morning, many themes already have tied together with this. We're going to talk about God's wisdom and power today, and then next week, God's faithfulness, even in trouble. We're going to talk about our trials, and how God is faithful. And the big news is, a week from now at night, we're going to talk about God's plans, big picture stuff. And if God is wise and powerful and faithful and has plans... We can trust him. And that's where we're going to go. And today we're just talking about the God who is wise. You know, I'm only doing this so that, that you will actually learn not just to depend on God, but fully trust him. You see, what we see in the course of history, what we see in present times, uh, human leaders actually, who can be a menace because they're powerful but foolish. I mean, how frustrating is it, to, anyway, to have wisdom with an inability to change things because we're powerless? And what we're going to see in these four talks is that a God revealed in Jesus Christ is all-wise, all-powerful, absolutely faithful, and he's a God who has plans and these plans will ultimately achieve a good purpose. So what a contrast with human wisdom. We really can put our confidence in him. We can trust him forever and for all and completely. And that's where we're going to go. I have two questions about God's wisdom this morning. I want to talk about what is God's wisdom. I'm an old retired professor, so I always like to say what I'm talking about. Some people say, what's he talking about? Well, I'm going to tell you what God's wisdom is. I'm going to tell you how it's shown. But of course, we, this isn't theology 101. We've got to apply God's word. So I want to tell you how you can access God's wisdom for yourself. It ties in with what the Sunday school is doing in Proverbs. So all this is working together beautifully. So let's get into it. What is God's wisdom and how is it shown? You see, it's not just talking about, about the wisdom of God unless we're clear what wisdom is. And, and in particular, what's unique about the, the wisdom of God? So let me give you a simple definition of wisdom. Wis, wisdom's knowing the best thing to do to get the best possible result. Get that? Wisdom is knowing the best thing to do to get the best possible result. I mean, and isn't that what... If you're going to totally trust someone, trust them for everything in your life, isn't that what you want? i got to tell you, a little self-confession. Some of you know me quite well, and if you know me at all, you, you, I mean, you remember Vivian used to drive me everywhere, and you say, why was that? Well, because I am geographically challenged. Derek's been trying to tell me how to get to the hotel. I said, I'll follow you, because <laughs> I easily get lost. I have a poor memory for roads and routes. 
You know, once when I was staying in a Boca Raton condo there, uh, I went for an early morning, Monday morning walk. I'd just arrived on a weekend, and I was thinking about the weekend and the Lord's work and everything else, and I suddenly was, I can't find my way back to the condo. I don't know where I am. So I went to a crossing guard who called a police lady over, and, she, and I said, I need help to find my way home. She looked at the hospital sign and thought, oh, he's escaped. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but she said to me, where do you live? I said, oh, I live in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so she scratched her head, but she eventually drew a nice little map that got me back to the condo. So what I do now is I set my GPS in the car, Everywhere I go, uh, even if I've been many times before, I've been to Boulevard many times, but I'm setting the GPS. Because that GPS shows me the way. This is a picture from Toronto in Canada, but it shows me the way, but not always the best way. Because what happens is, well, I trust it too much. I forget it doesn't know the latest facts about road closures and diversions. So I depend on it. Oh, but I don't fully trust it. Not like this guy. He said, don't worry. My GPS says there's a road here. <laughs> well, you see, now if I know the area, and I get you to it, I could make wiser choices. I can avoid the roadworks. What I'm saying today is, do you, do you just depend on God? Do you, do you fully trust Him? Because this is the thing about God. Let me get rid of that so you'll listen. God doesn't need trial and error experiences to make wise judgments. Not like me trying roots. God always knows the best possible way. Why? Because He has all possible information. You see, to be truly wise... We need to have all the facts at our disposal when we make a decision. Uh, my GPS doesn't know about the road closures. It's things that are around me that I don't know about. And often when we act unwisely, it's because, well, like the GPS, we don't have all the facts. It's only later developments that, that show our actions were unwise. We say, had I known certain relevant facts, I would have acted deep. Uh, differently. For example, uh, f 60 years ago, you might have wisely decided not to smoke, but, but to make that decision today, when we have so much information to tell us what to do, it really tells us that would be a very unwise choice. I mean, to make the wisest choice, you have to know everything, all the facts. Who would have thought that all these chemicals, cadmium, butane, acetic acid, I'm a chemist, I love this stuff, but who would have thought that all that was in your cigarette 60 years ago? You didn't know that. And I want to tell you, our total trust in God is linked with something very important, is linked with our belief that God is the creator of everything. So it really goes back to the basic truth at the beginning, beginning of the Bible. God is absolutely and totally wise because he knows every truth, even those things as yet undiscovered by humans. Very important. He knows all the facts. Uh, he knows everything. Why? Well, because he built everything there is into creation. An absolutely basic truth. That is the nature of God. And I've talked about creation. Remember the days when I used to blow things up? Can't do that anymore after 9-11. But you know that. He knows everything. Why? Because he built everything that is into his creation.
And the Bible is clear about that. Great verse in Romans 11, 34. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? It said, for from him and through him and for him are all things. All things. So God knows every possibility. Even if they seem limitless in number to us, so God can act in light of all the facts. But this is the thing about God's wisdom. More than facts are involved. God acts in the light of all the facts, but he also acts in the light of true and correct values. That's what's unique about God's wisdom. God's wisdom is unique because he acts in the light of true values. And it's foundational in Scripture that God is all-wise, Wise in his knowledge, wise in his plans, wise in his judgments, wise in his actions. Very clear. Look what Romans 11 says in another verse. Verse 33, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. Of course, we see that in creation. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Psalm 104 says, how many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. Beautiful, wonderful works of God. So you need to be clear that God's wisdom is not just about physical facts, all that science stuff and all that knowledge. That's knowledge rather than wisdom. But it's not just about facts. God's wisdom, it has a strong moral aspect to it. God's wisdom reflects his nature. God is a just, is a loving, is a good, is a totally reliable God, and that's what's reflected in what he does. That's his wisdom. So we can say about God absolutely unique that knowing all things and being totally good, God knows, well, he knows the best in every possible situation. Very important. Actually, God defines what is right. This is a problem. People decide themselves what's right, but no, God defines what is right. So that's why God's judgments are always wise. Why? Because he gives everything its true value. He sees everything in proper perspective. So that's why you can fully trust God. And this is only number one of a four-message reminder of the way we can trust God, because in his wisdom, he sees the end as well as the beginning. And he always seeks the best and highest good in every situation from an eternal perspective point of view, and that's true for all that seek his will. Because God alone selects the best means of attaining what only he knows is the best outcome. I mean, it seems inexplicable to us so often. I've not been able to tell Jane, why would God take unexpectedly three people that are close to you? But you see, we don't have an eternal perspective, and I'll talk more about that next week. But, but I want you to understand this about wisdom, and since the Sunday school is doing problems, let me tell you, it's the same for us. Wisdom isn't just knowledge, it, it involves doing right. Now, God knows everything that's right, we don't. But as Proverbs starts off, I mean, Solomon uh, was given a special gift of wisdom. And how does he start writing about it? He says, well, attaining wisdom means living a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and what is just and what is fair. 
you know, I've all my life worked in universities, so I've known a lot of very intelligent, well-educated, bright university professors. Man, are they bright. But they're morally bankrupt. Some of them live dishonest, selfish, deceptive lives. Bright people have lots of information. Now, I'm not talking about this man in particular. Uh, I'll just go to him. Uh, I don't even know who he is, but he's teaching quantum mechanics. He's a bright guy. Uh, but, but I do know guys who know this stuff, have heads packed with knowledge, but they live foolishly. And going back to this slide, wisdom as the Bible explains it, involves the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. So important today. We live in a day when things are mixed up. We need to understand that's true wisdom. And, and it's in God's word that we learn what is right. And God's word means what it says, but it asks us to act in the light of it. Because wisdom is belief in God's word. That's what defines what is right. That's how we know what's right. But it's belief in God's word translated into behavior. It's not just in our heads. You know, I often use uh, Lucy and uh, Linus and Charlie Brown because they, they can teach us a lot. And Lucy says, poor old Linus one day says, you look worried. He says, I am worried. We're having a test in school tomorrow and there's absolutely no way I can pass it. Absolutely no way. Well, says Lucy, have you tried studying? <laughs> I used to tell my students, they'd say, I'd do anything to pass this test. I said, well, try studying. <laughs> he says, we'll have a good test in school tomorrow and there's no way I can pass it, absolutely no way. Why? Because he wasn't prepared to do it. What he needed to do was action, study. No study, no pass. And so, this is what being wise is all about. It's, it's, it's living God's way in God's world. And God tells us how to live. And that's something, of course... Although it's very, very wise to live God's way in God's world, it, it looks like foolishness to people that don't know God. That's why I wanted 1 Corinthians 1 read this morning. Those verses our brother read said, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And Paul goes on to say, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, intelligent, Where's the wise person, he said. And then he goes on to say, well, look, the wisdom of God's different from the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of God is according to what is right. You know, Jesus, Jesus made this absolutely clear. He told a story in Matthew 7 about two men who were building houses. You know this great story. One, the wise man, built his house on a rock. The other, the foolish one, he built it on the sand. But he concluded that story, making a very simple point. He said, the wise man is the one that builds his life on a firm foundation, which Jesus said is the person who hears my word and does it. He didn't say hears, he said hears and does it. So Jesus said very clearly at the end of that story, Matthew 7, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, well, he's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. So this is it. The wisdom of God shows itself in actions, and not any old actions, but actions that have a good purpose because God's wisdom always is shown in its outcomes. 
the final outcome. We're going to talk about the final outcome next Sunday night. And of course we see that in his work in creation, a topic I'll talk about tonight when we talk about God's power. We don't talk about God's power, we've got to talk about creation. And, and really the two go together. I, I'm talking about his wisdom now, but that reading was important this morning and we, we, we had it twice because both these aspects of God, his wisdom and his power are displayed supremely in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.24 about Jesus. He said, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Very important. That's why he said the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and so forth. And so in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul writes about this. In fact, he says in verse 30 that Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, if you're going to boast, I read this in the breaking of bread, it was on my mind very much today, if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Why? Well, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And let me just comment on this, because in Christ we have wisdom from God, clearly demonstrated, we know what wisdom is, it's shared with us, so it means this, if you're a born-again believer, if you're a Christian, Every Christian is actually a gift from God to the world because we're wrapped up in Christ. We have that special wisdom. So when God, if you're a believer, when God clothes you with Christ, this verse in 1 Corinthians 30, uh, verse 30 and 31 says, Christ becomes your holiness. Actually, you become a different person. You become a new person in him. So that, hey, all your failures, all your inadequacies, all the things that would ruin your witness, all your opinions, we all have opinions, they should fade away. You don't witness saying, I think this, in my opinion. That that fades away because Christ's life and Christ's wisdom, that's what should be on display. So his truth is what you present rather than human ideas. Remember that. It's very easy to spout out your opinions when you're trying to help people. But this verse says, no, you're clothed in the wisdom of God through Christ, so you present his truth. Because God's wisdom is not the same as human wisdom. Unbelievably different, what we had in the breaking of bread. Not many of you were wise or powerful or noble by human standards, but God chose the foolish to shame the wise, the weak, to send the strong, the lowly, to bring down the mighty. What it boils down to is God's wisdom is shown in the cross. And that's the wonderful paradox at the heart of the gospel. Our only sufficiency, our only real wisdom, comes from Christ and from him alone. And the way he wins, unbelievable in the world's eyes, is by submission. This means that your calling, if you're a Christian, is to speak of Christ, to speak for Christ. Always try to live out his teaching and values before the watching world. But it means you're never arrogant. Uh, You're never pompous. You're always talking about what God said. 
but you're doing it confidently. You're not a weak person, hardly able to mention anything. You can be confident. Why? Because Christ is our wisdom. So, so you dare to speak for the living God. Who are we sinners to say, I speak for God? Well, because we stand in his strength. We rely on his wisdom so we can witness to a wicked and deluded world because of that. So you shouldn't be weak and timid, but you should be faithful to Christ. And I want to get on to that quickly now. So you know about God's nature now. You know about his wisdom. You know about how it's shown. But a big question is, how can you access his wisdom for yourself? Well, I've told you, clothed in wisdom if you're in Christ. But I want to talk more about it. You know, some people think, um, well, they think that wisdom's all theoretical stuff. It's walking in wisdom that matters. What I've been stressing is, it's the way of wisdom that matters. Because some people think, well, as you get older, you get wiser. (laughs) Wisdom comes with age. Well, I'm with Ziggy here. He says, sometimes it's an optional extra. I know some foolish older people, and as I get older, I say, have I got wiser? (laughs) You know, I read this verse recently in Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I'm thinking, man, I have much time left. (laughs) When you number your days at my age. No, no, wisdom doesn't come just by going older. Wisdom doesn't come by just deciding what we're going to do ourselves. There are two ways, two main ways to get wisdom. Number one, 1 Corinthians 2, God's wisdom is revealed by the Spirit. Very important. But I want to tell you, and we did James last time I was here, and you've been doing James quite a bit. God's wisdom is given to those who ask for it. James 1. I'm going to talk about those ways as quickly as I can this morning. Very important. How do you get God's wisdom? Well, it's revealed by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, it teaches us very clearly that true wisdom is revealed by the Holy Spirit. But I want to give you some detail. Because it's a three-step process. There's revelation, there's inspiration, and there's illumination. And I quickly want to do those from that chapter. Because 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 talks about revelation. It says, what no human mind has conceived. We didn't even think of it. We didn't make this stuff up. What no human mind has conceived. These are the things God has what? revealed to us by his spirit the spirit searches all things even the deep things of God see revealed means to disclose something that's been previously hidden to unveil something that's been veiled and you think about it God didn't entrust the transmission of the scriptures to anybody outside the trinity It's a spirit that knows the deep recesses of the mind of God because he is God. He's part of the Trinity. He's God too. He knows everything. So our faith as Christians is a revealed truth and the vehicle of revelation is the Holy Spirit. So number one is revelation. And the the second step in the Spirit's transmission of God's truth is inspiration. This is the method by which the Spirit delivers revelation. Scripture is clear on this. Again, 1 Corinthians 2. Now, we've received this. It was given to us that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Very clear scripture. It's given to us. Look at the end of verse 12. It said we might 
we might know the things freely given by God. I mean, where did the Bible come from? It was given by God. What did the apostles do? They received it. Remember what Jesus said, John 14, he said, When I go, the Comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, the Comforter will come, and he'll teach you all things, and he'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said. People say to me, oh, he said, how could John sit down and write all 21 chapters of the Gospel of John and quote exactly what Jesus said, all through the entire record, quote the words of Christ. Well, he could do it because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would bring Christ's words to remembrance. So Scripture is absolutely clear. What, what Scripture is, is wisdom from God. That's why Paul said, look, we're not speaking in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Whose words? The Holy Spirit's words. This is what we mean by verbal inspiration. And Paul's emphatic, he said, we don't speak in words which man's wisdom teaches. Now you probably say, well, that's it, great, the Spirit's done a job. Don't say he's done, so now he can relax and just get on with your life. Because I want to tell you this, there's a lot of people who have a Bible, and they don't know what's in it. So the third question is, do you understand your Bible? And that's the third step in the Holy Spirit's work. Yes, it's revelation. Yes, it's inspiration. But number three is, it's illumination. That's the third step the Holy Spirit needs to do. Verses 14 through 16 of this chapter make it clear that the Holy Spirit has to make things personal. You can own a Bible and not understand it. And that's because, as Scripture said, the natural man, the ordinary guide, doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. Psalm 119, very clear. You should pray this when you start your quiet time. Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. See, it isn't just that God gave us his word. He has to open the eyes of our understanding. The Spirit has to illuminate the mind. Truth's available, but it's only available to those who are open to the Spirit's illumination, and they'll understand the truth. Verse 15, 1 Corinthians 2 says, He that is spiritual can evaluate all things. And it's the person that possesses the Spirit, and that's every believer, that has within them a resident teacher who illuminates. That's why John said, look, you don't need human teachers. You have an anointing in you, and that's the Spirit. He teaches you all things. Now, you do need teachers. I was a teacher all my life. I'm not talking myself out of my old job. We need teachers to teach knowledge. But I'm talking about wisdom. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have a resident truth teacher, uh, so that by the Holy Spirit, God's Word can be made alive and meaningful. And this is for all Christians, including you. You may not go to Bible school. You may not have any kind of university degrees. But I'm not talking about that detailed knowledge. And this is real. I forgot to tell, ask what time it's supposed to be. I've got to give you an example, you see, because... This can sound theory. And I've always believed this, but I want to tell you, I'm old enough to reminisce. I was thinking recently about when I was an undergraduate at university, before you were born, you guys. But 
there was an opponent of the gospel, a Jewish guy, he'd been shipped from Germany because his father was shot in the concentration camps, brought up in an orphanage, very knowledgeable of the Jewish faith, knew the Old Testament, very strong opponent of the gospel. He used to mock me when I went into the balance room to weigh in the lab. He'd go, oh, here's a Christian. Anyone want to be saved and all that stuff? Short, long story cut short, my founder accepted Christ. Amazing development. And he went home that night and he was very bright and a very intense guy. And he came back the next morning and I said, oh no, are you serious about this? He said, oh yes. And then he started explaining Isaiah to me. He started talking about the Messiah and Jesus and all that stuff that we learn over the years, Isaiah 53. He started explaining Isaiah to me and I said, Otto, where'd you get this stuff? He said, you know, I was just reading and praying. And I thought, man, the Holy Spirit does that stuff. And uh, this is real stuff. That's why when you say, open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me, you should expect something to happen. So let the Spirit illuminate God's Word. It's His work. He does that. But there's something you have to do. It's never saying, okay, leave it all to the Spirit. Scripture's clear. God's wisdom is given to those who ask for it. And I want to say, ask properly. Some of us saunter into God's presence as if we can demand anything we wanted. I've got to tell you, remember that Scripture? If anyone likes wisdom, let him ask of God. James 1.5 now, wisdom is a gift from God. Let's put that verse up. If any of you lacks wisdom, they should ask of God, who gives generously give to all without finding fault, no quibbling, and it will be given to them. It is a wonderful gift from God. So I want to tell you, your lack of wisdom in spiritual things can be simply explained because Jesus said, he said, you have not because you ask not. People say, Lord, answer my prayer. I say, well, did you ask and did you ask properly? You see, this promise about getting wisdom by asking for it is, and it's in a special context. Don't forget that. It's in the context of experiencing trials. And that's very important. I'm going to talk a lot about trials this visit. Because uh, trials can be wonderful. They mature us. They make us more complete. They can make us more like Christ. But without wisdom, they never make sense to us. They may be part of God's purpose, but we need wisdom to see that. So I want you to remember there are conditions in Scripture for having your prayers answered. And you've got to ask properly, because asking is not demanding. You know, I, I worry, some people go into God's presence as, as, as if they were in McDonald's ordering breakfast. <laughs> you stand in McDonald's sometime and listen to these guys, he says, Give me a number three. Get me a ladder. You know, I think if I was behind the counter, I'd say, oh, I don't know about that. They'd say, I'll take it. I'll have. Give me. I want to say, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> but they have to be nice, of course. Keep the job. But you don't ask like that. You don't go like the prodigal son, give me my portion. As if we deserved anything from God. See, whenever we go to God and ask any blessing, you go humbly, recognizing a need, recognizing the privilege it is for us as forgiven sinners to enter his holy presence. And we ask for wisdom, recognizing our confusion, our limitations, and we cry to God, we really want to know your will, and we want to do the right thing. And that's so important. 
Oh, I haven't time to tell it. Oh, man, time flies. I've got to tell you a very quick story because I want you to know it works. I'm so, I'm so old these days, I'm reminiscing all the time. You have to excuse me. I used to live in this house in London, England. Lived there for two years with Vivian. I got a job offer from McMaster. I didn't know anyone in North America I had to sell my house. And it was a, 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 a fixer-upper, you know, a handyman special. We'd only been in it for two years. And I had to say, I can't sell this house. And I, 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 but it was a great offer. And I wanted to take it. We had big research money. So one day I prayed to the Lord. and said, I don't know what to do, Lord. I have no wisdom about this. I want to take this job, but I want to stay in your will. And so I said, Lord, if you don't want me to go to McMaster and move to North America, just stop me. Because I know I thought it was a good salary, lots of research money. I was going to go. And uh, I got to tell you very quickly here. I went out the next day and I bumped into the real estate guy who had sold me the house. And he said, by the way, if you ever want to sell your house, I'm the man. They're always looking for business. I said, no, well, there's a chance in July. This is February. Vivian's expecting our second child. There's a chance I might go to Canada in the summer, but I don't know. I'll let you know. The next day, there's a, a man at my door. The man said, and, and I said, it's not for sale. He said, well, let him look around. So he looked around. I said, well, look, it wouldn't be till July, even if I did sell it. Oh, I said, I don't want it till July. Oh, I said, no, but see, I had a 90% mortgage and a 10% loan from my brother in the assembly. It was a 100% mortgage. Oh, I said, no, if I was to move, I'd have to get my asking price. Oh, I'll give you your asking price. I know, but it just have to be a cash deal because I'm leaving the country if I was to be going. Oh, no, my father knows chairman of the building society. It will be a cash deal. And I was going through all this stuff. And I suddenly said, I asked the Lord to stop me. And he's sending this guy. I could sell it in February. No fixing up. Vivian had the baby in that front bedroom just a few weeks after that. I said, you can have it. But what wisdom was that? Just to say, because it works when you ask. Just praying for guidance is so important. Now I've blown it telling that story. So I'm going to just ask you to remember this. James says about God, he's a father. He doesn't change. He's the only God who gives good and perfect gifts. He's completely reliable. And he has plans for our ultimate good. So listen, folk. I talked about my dolls. I'm going to give you the takeaway. To take away this morning is God can be trusted completely. And when you ask for wisdom, you must believe and not doubt. And I want to tell you number two. You've got to live wisely every day. Who is wise? Who is understanding? Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds done in humility that come from what? Wisdom. Because as the Sunday school callers told us, this is a bottom line, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A knowledge of the Holy One, that's understanding. And that's it. Brothers and sisters, go to the Lord. He gives wisdom. And tonight, he has the power. Man, wisdom and power, we can already trust him. And it's wonderful. And on top of that, I'm going to tell you, next week he's faithful. And does he have plans, fantastic plans? Let's just give a benediction.
Lord, we thank you for all your promises. Just help us to grasp them this morning. Uh, and may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word for the glory of Christ, in whose name we commit this congregation to you. So tonight, the power, don't forget, be here. Nothing on TV like it.